What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty Podcast, a roundtable discussion about dynasty, fantasy football. And I'm your host, Marles, and with me today, my co-host, Trey Cryan. Well, hey there, co-host. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. How about yourself? Uh, hanging in there, dude. It's uh, This is like the last weekend of the year before NFL action, so uh, brace yourself, man. Are you ready? You ready for this, uh, this preseason to be over? I am so ready. So ready. I didn't watch a single preseason game. I did watch a lot of those condensed games, like the first half or the first couple of series, but... I'm over it. I'm glad they shortened the preseason. I'm so ready for football season, though, man. We don't talk about about college a whole lot on this pod, but I do need to shout out that I uh, am going to be in Columbus, Ohio this weekend for the uh, Notre Dame at Ohio State game. Uh, Didn't get tickets to the game because they were like a thousand bucks a seat, but uh, I'll be there for the tailgates and the uh, the fun. So, uh, yeah, we've got a 17 and a half point uh, spread to cover. So uh, go Irish. You guys covering the spread? We'll see, man. I think we will. I think we will. But, you know, I'm also a fan. So what do I know? Not putting any money on it. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm still waiting for Massachusetts to legalize it. I'm still holding on out here. Yeah, fair enough, man. Well, it's uh, I think we've been in the heart of redraft season. Honestly, we've been gone for a while. We've uh, we've Mm -hmm. missed the past couple of weeks and uh, I've definitely missed you and I've missed the other guys. We're, We're still missing actually two of the guys, John and Tarek out of the office here. Yeah. But uh, are you are you doing redraft this year, Trey, or are oh, you sticking oh, to dynasty? Sure. How many leagues you in then? Uh, so I think my dynasty count is up to eight now. Uh, so definitely feeling the degen status there. Mm. Redraft, I think I'm going to end up at about three or four. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's going to be a full slate for me for sure. How about you? Uh, I I hit lucky thirteen in dynasty, and I feel like that's going to be the sweet spot for uh, this year. Definitely. 100% not joining any other ones and probably going to keep it around like six redraft leagues. I think I have two drafts tonight after we wrap up recording. So looking forward to that. I right on. I, I did notice my first redraft team that I've drafted this year uh, a couple days ago had a lot of rookies on them. And, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I'm wondering if Dynasty is more my bag these days anyway, but Redraft is fun. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I love no, having my... I, I like the rookies for redraft in the sense that I think rookie running backs, especially a guy like Brees Hall, I think mm-hmm. is probably going to outperform his ADP, you know? And then these rookie wide receivers, while, yeah, we probably can't count on them for the first half of the year, I think they're probably going to be useful to you come fantasy playoffs if you uh, make it that far. Yeah, well, that's the goal. But until then, let's talk about what we're doing today. Uh, we actually have a... a Fun one for you. It's the risers and fallers, the biggest preseason risers and fallers. So we're looking at the past 30 days, kind of after the draft, during the preseason, and we're going to just take a look and see who has had the most movement, whether it's been a rise or a fall. And in the first half, we're going to talk about risers, and in the second half, we're going to talk about fallers. But before that, let's hop into uh, just some quick news here because the roster cuts have just happened here. The uh, 53-man rosters are official, and we definitely had a few notable cuts, so I just want to take a few minutes and talk about these guys. Marlon Mack was the biggest surprise to me until uh, something happened a couple minutes ago, but Houston cut him, and uh, they re-signed him to the practice squad the next day, which means he cleared waivers. And I guess before the Damian Pierce thing happened that we're going to talk about later, Marlon Mack was considered a pretty solid, like at least borderline flex piece. So, Trey, how are yeah. you feeling about this one? Yeah, it looked like Mack was probably going to be part of that rotation. Now it seems like he is probably droppable in in all formats. So, uh, yeah, it, it look it's looking a lot more like the Pierce and the the sexy Rexy uh, Burkhead show there in uh, Houston. Yeah. And like I said, we'll jump into that one a little bit later. Uh, Sony Michelle cut by Miami and then signed to L.A. the Chargers. Uh, yeah, this one, this one's a little bit more interesting to me too. I, I, I think I would. I'm buying into Michelle on the Chargers, uh, but definitely not going to break the bank there. This one is definitely more of a signal for our guy uh, Isaiah Spiller, mm-hmm. the, rookie, the fourth round rookie. I think it's pretty bad news for him that they would 
pick up uh, Michelle off of waivers. Not great news. Also, there were rumors that he didn't even win that number two job. Right. So this that might put Spiller down to running back four. Oh, no. Yeah. Not looking good for Spiller. All right. And then we have OJ Howard cut by Buffalo and then signed in Cincinnati. So OJ Howard had a $3.19 million guarantee in his contract for Buffalo. So I'd like to just give him a round of applause, man. Well played. Get that money. Yeah. Well, well done. Uh, Not much use for my dynasty squad. I don't know about you. Oh, certainly not. He he wasn't there, but all reports coming out of camp is that he had a terrible camp and looked slow. And like that was his thing, right? He's like freakishly fast. And so if, yeah. he, if he doesn't have that anymore, he shouldn't be on any rosters at this point. Well, and, and he's another guy. He had the Achilles tear once upon a time, too. Right. Mm-hmm. So he just seems like he's never really come back from that one. Yeah. And then, okay, let's just move on from him. Trey Sermon, that was the news we just got in. Trey Sermon waived by the 49ers and he was drafted, what, in the third round last year? Oh, yeah. And yeah, that was that's that's shocking. Uh, You know, I think it it shows this team, the the Niners, they really did not believe in them. They went back and they, you know, drafted a, a rookie third rounder this year with Ty Davis Price. Uh, yeah, uh, I think this might be the end for Trey Sermon. I, I think he's droppable now and on all your dynasty squads. God, you know, that one hurts. People blew a first rounder on him last year. So, yeah. and yeah. you know, maybe this is one of those things that you should remember, like, you know, third round pick and situation over talent. Uh, we saw Elijah Mitchell take his job. And honestly, this is another endorsement for Elijah Mitchell for me. Yeah, I get that. I think it's also just a reminder third round on even you know any of these rookies none of these guys are sure things mm-hmm. you know so there's you you may get excited about your second your favorite third round or your favorite fourth rounder but none of these guys are sure things yeah and then all right let's let's move to the non-cut i think this one's interesting i definitely wanted to include this ronald jones made the final roster in kansas city and a lot of people were talking about him potentially not making that roster and here he is sneaking onto it with isaiah pacheco what do you think about that? <laughs> so the the seventh round rookie Pacheco isn't quite ready yet to be the uh, the number two guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. not. It's it's a clusterfuck for sure. Uh, I think it's really interesting though, and we know that there's value in that Kansas City backfield to be had. So honestly, I think I am very interested in putting out some feelers and seeing where I can kind of pick and choose, and, and maybe just get the cheapest guy here and there. So maybe Rojo's a buy now. He might be. Uh, he, I did watch a lot of his preseason tape specifically because I am just interested in what's going on in that backfield. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, he he still looks such an impatient runner. Like he just runs as fast as he can, whether it's into the hole or into the back of a uh, of an offensive lineman. Man, I I just I don't know if he's ever going to be the guy that anybody wanted him to be. Yeah, fair enough. You're not you wouldn't have to pay a lot for him if you know exactly. For him. And then the last little tidbit here, uh, LaVisca Chenault traded to the Panthers. Yeah. So <laughs> Visca's value isn't going any lower. Uh, obviously, mm. do not buy LaVisca Chenault. It's <laughs> a hold uh, for now. Um, this, I think, is really more bad news for Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall. Uh, so those guys are probably done. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that covers most of the news. I'm sure there's going to be a few more cuts here and there, a few more trades. But, you know, let's just kind of hop into the main content for the day, which, again, is the risers and fallers. Let's do it. I want to just start things off strong and dive right into the risers. And what other guy to start with than George Pickens, wide receiver, Pittsburgh Steelers? The last 30 days, he's been up from wide receiver 39 to wide receiver 28, according to Keep Trade Cut. And before the NFL draft, we talked about how Pickens' prospect profile was mostly incomplete due to that ACL injury that wiped out most of his junior season and his final year at Georgia. But we pointed at Pickens' elite early breakout age and his impressive tape as reasons for optimism. So, oh, yeah. Based on his preseason performance and all of the camp reports, it looks like Pickens is fully healthy and he's going to compete for starter reps as a rookie. Uh, Trey, you know it, man. The drum beat for George Pickens has been as loud as any other rookie this preseason. So wide receiver 28, are you buying or selling this hype here? So 
I'm, I'm a little bit behind uh, market here. I've got him at wide receiver 34, but that's not crazy, right? Because anybody in that range, uh, you could you could argue one way or the other. Uh, going into the rookie process, I think you know I had George Pickens outside that top mm-hmm. tier of the rookie wide receivers. I had guys like uh, uh, Jamison Williams, uh, Olave, uh, Sky Moore ahead of Pickens, and I was more comfortable taking them at the end of the first round than George Pickens. I, I would just was concerned about that ACL tear, that missing production uh, because he missed his junior year. But I mean, the, the camp reports couldn't really be any better for this guy. <laughs> it seems like he is fully, fully recovered and there's really nothing to worry about when it comes to the, the ACL tear. And I mean, we know he was a beast in the sec. Like he, he broke out his freshman year. He came back. He played in that national championship game and was a difference maker for Georgia. Mm-hmm. And it, by all accounts, it looks like he's going to be starting on the outside in two wide receiver sets for Pittsburgh and probably pushing Chase Claypool into the slot. So he could be a huge hit. And I would have a hard time selling unless you're going to get like a, a 2023 first in return. So I think that's the price point now for for George Pickens. Yeah. I, I agree. His his price has definitely, definitely gone up. And, you know, it wasn't just the reports out of camp. I mean, we got to see it for ourselves, too. Right. Like, he's looked fantastic in the preseason. I know it's just preseason, but there are things to take from that tape, like his his body control, his hands, uh, like the trust that Pickens, or I'm sorry, Kenny Pickett has in Pickens. God, I'm going to trip over this all year, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a cluster. Oh, my year. But I think you're, you're totally right. I mean, he's basically eliminated the one concern, which is the the injury history. And, and that's why he fell to the second round. And it seems like all that's behind him. And he's he's shown enough flashes for us to be really excited about this guy. Yeah, I I do remember in my pre-draft evaluation, I said that he had that sort of it factor and you guys pressed me on what that was. And what that it factor was is that he just has that star ability to just take over any game and Mm -hmm. occasionally would look like the best player on the field. And so I guess for me now, um, if I'm looking back at like if I could redo my rookie draft, I'm trying to figure out where I would take him. And I definitely know that I would take him above Christian Watson. Um, like Agreed. Uh, who else here? Um, well, so uh, Jahan Dotson Jahan was Dotson. going in the same range. So you'd go Pickens over Dotson. I think yeah. I'd agree with that. What about Sky I, Moore? Yeah, I, so I have him and Sky Moore right next to each other in my ranks. Um, yeah, I think it's it's fair to put Pickens above Moore at this mm-hmm. point. I, I still lean more because of all of the reasons why we liked him. Uh, going into the, you know, his rookie year, and and he has had a good camp as well. Like it's not like, you know, he, he hasn't gotten any hype out of um, the Chiefs training camp. It just hasn't been the same level of noise as Pickens has got. Gotcha. So your suggestion, I would say, is a hold if you have him. What mm-hmm. about if you don't? What are you willing to pay to acquire him at his current price tag? Well, he's he's definitely. Um, I, I wouldn't bank on Pickens being a contributor to a contending roster, you know? Uh, so I think if you're a contender, you need to put him on your bench, right? Uh, think about him developing into a long-term asset. If you're a rebuilder, I think he's a great target. I wouldn't give up my 2023 first, but I would think about, you know, running backs that might be valued in that range or trying to, mm-hmm. you know, get him as part of a package. If you're moving off of like an older um, receiver. So like, Let's say you're a contender, you've got like digs, and you can get pickens and a, first? a second rounder. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's kind of a tough buy. It reminds me of last year when we talked about Tyreek Hill for uh Jamar Chase in a first. I feel like it's kind of in that same Which looks like a crazy trade right now. Right, exactly. But Pickens hasn't hit the field yet, so I I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah don't I don't have a strong answer for you there. No, I, I do. I do want to press you on one last thing before we move on, though. Um, so you, you don't think that if you are a contender that he is worth starting in the flex at all? Well, I think right you should expect. Anyway. Well, you should expect for any rookie wide receiver for them to be better the second half of their rookie year than the first half. And I don't think Pickens is any different that okay. way. 
And if we do see Kenny Pickett, uh, you know, the rookie quarterback get meaningful reps towards the second half of the year, we know that rookie quarterbacks don't tend to correlate to production for their running backs and their pass catchers. So that's a, a potential red flag as well. I don't know. I, I'm just, I think that I would be willing to start him in the flex because of all of these good omens, if you will, that we've been hearing out of, out of camp. I mean, if he's going to be starting, if he's going to be a starting wide receiver, then I'm in like, you know, I, I think that he's going to get like, I don't know, 80% of the, of the snap share, I'd say. Yeah, maybe that would be huge. That would be a huge mm-hmm. hit if he does. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on. We've spent a lot of time already on Pickens. And so speaking of omens, let's talk about Damien, Damien Pierce, Damien Pierce out of Houston, uh, and out of the last 30 days, this man has risen like crazy, running back 37 all the way up to running back 20. And so Damian Pierce, as we know, was a fourth round pick out of the University of Florida, and he never commanded a significant share of his college offense there. But Pierce has shined like crazy this preseason. He's shown burst. He's shown the ability to break tackles. And he is one. I mean, straight up, they, he's the starter over, uh, obviously, Marlon Mack and mm-hmm. Rex Burkhead. So yep. he's the guy. And, Trey, you called out Pierce as a rookie you liked early on in the offseason, uh, in the in the pre-draft process even. So now that he's fetching 2023 first-round picks on that trade market, which <laughs> here we are, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing about Pierce? Oh man, if you can get a 23 first for Damian Pierce, then do it. smash, except <laughs> like absolutely, absolutely take that 23 first if you can get it. Um, I, I'm happy for Damian Pierce. I, I did like him because it seemed like he was underutilized uh, at Florida. It seemed like there was a lot of uh, talent on uh, tape. And then, you know, in even like just some of his production numbers, like, you know, the ability to, uh, perform over expectation by you know some of the various advanced metrics he he did quite well in so i'm mm-hmm. not as high on him as the market he's my running back 29 in my rankings and the reason i'm selling is like there's been a recent history of these guys who are day three or later running backs to just smash the rookie year and we've seen that they just don't really uh have any long-term value mm-hmm. insulation beyond that like think back to uh james robinson uh, he was the running back five in points per game in 2020. He was an undrafted free agent. Think back to Elijah Mitchell last year. He was the running back 14 in points per game as a six rounder. Damian Pierce can absolutely do that. He can be a mid-range running back two or better as a fourth round rookie, but that doesn't mean you should be out there buying him for a 23 first, right. you know, because long-term, like there's just not that value insulation there to protect you. So I, if I have him on my team, I'm definitely selling for that 23 first. I would be selling if I could move into a better rookie running back, like somebody like Ken Walker mm-hmm. or Brees Hall, obviously. Or if you could get the return of like a, a top 12 type bet, uh, a move I think is kind of interesting would be like Damian Pierce for Aaron Jones on the Packers. Yeah. And Trey, I think it's really important to point out what you said there. And it doesn't matter how good he is. Like if he he's replaceable, exactly. He's replaceable. If he has a top five overall finish or points per game or however, like the Texans are still a bad team and the Texans are still going to have plenty of draft cap and could very easily replace him. Uh, James Robinson's a good comp because the man got hurt. He didn't even lose the job. He just got hurt. And before he got hurt, they drafted ETN. Travis ETN in the first round. That's exactly right. And look at Michael Carter this last year, right? mm -hmm. Like great, not as good as J-Rob or Elijah Mitchell, but still a strong rookie year replaced by the second round Brees Brees Hall this offseason. And Brees Hall is going to eat his breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we we know that. And so, like, it's not about whether he's going to crush it this year. Like, you know, I think we're all thinking Damian Pearson redraft sounds fun. Like, it definitely sounds fun. Agreed. Agreed. But, I think but, it's a, a stronger redraft pick than a dynasty pick for sure. And I think what we're trying to advocate here is not like, hey, this guy sucks. Don't get him. It's don't invest heavily on a running back who straight up the team hasn't invested heavily in. 
like or or know what you're going to get which is probably that one year flash mm-hmm. right and like you really can't count on that long term value for a guy who's a fourth round running back right now i mean look if your grand plan is to get him now and then flip him like this year if you have a very active trading league you know that's that's one thing as well like if you're going to play the stocks essentially but if you're trading for this guy expecting him to be like the starting running back for several years, I think that's just bad process. Agreed. Totally agreed. And and I don't really love trying to play that like timing game, you know, right. Um, we've talked about that in the past, like, but I do think that it's probably true that if he smashes and, and has, let's say a mid range RB two season this year, he will be valued even higher in six months. I mean, yeah, but running back 20 is pretty damn high, you know, I right. mean, what are we I, I'm expecting? just thinking back to like James Robinson yeah. where he was up into like the RB like 13 range after yeah. his rookie year. You know? Yeah, I guess the ceiling doesn't seem that much higher to me. Fair. But yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's keep this train moving. And uh, we already talked about one pit guy. So let's go ahead and talk about a pit man. We got Michael Pittman, wide receiver, Indianapolis Colts. Oh, that was good. Yeah, that you was like a good that? transition. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Over the last 30 days, we got uh, him moving from wide receiver 15 to wide receiver 9 on keep trade cut. And that's actually way more significant to me that that Mm -hmm. six position movement like in the top tier. It's much more difficult. But anyway, um, he's ranked ahead of elite old guys like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. And Pittman fits that alpha mold that's 6'4", 223. And, you know, at only 24 years old, he's got no competition in sight for targets. So he figures to be money in the bank and not only dynasty, but redraft as well. So keep trade cut the rank of wide receiver nine. It makes some sense to me. Like, after all, startup season's over. And, you know, when it came down time to actually draft your team in a startup, it's the wise move to air towards youth. So if you're debating between Pittman and Devontae Adams, I can see the dynasty manager saying, you right. know what, I'm taking the young guy. But, you know, at the same time, the circumstances didn't change at all in Indianapolis. So do you think that there's more to this than simply people just coming to their senses? Not really. I think this is just kind of the the fact that he was undervalued all offseason mm-hmm. and the market just finally caught up to it. Uh, you know, he is very clearly to me, and and I think I talked about this during the, the Colts preview, but he's in that that super valuable tier of young wide receivers. And it's the second tier, uh, but it includes guys like Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins. Like, I think he's in that group and he's made it to that group. And you can like any of those guys in that tier better and that's fine, but we should expect him to improve on what he did last year. He got the QB upgrade. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the lead option in that mm-hmm. offense. And I think you can, you can pencil him in to low end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two production this year. So I don't think that at, you know, wide receiver nine, that's like a strong buy opportunity. I think the value is probably, you know, pretty much right on there. So if you've got him hold and enjoy the ride, um, if not, I don't think he's really like a strong buy unless you're thinking about, uh, trying to, um, you know, position yourself as more of a rebuilder than a contender. So you're saying he's not much of a sell because he's already the type of thing that you should be buying. That is right. like a 24 right. year old alpha wide receiver. So well, whether, it, but then that gets into like team construction and philosophy, you know, mm-hmm. like if you want that much value tied up into a young receiver, or if you want to, you know get somebody older with similar production like Keenan Allen and then use that that future value on other positions you know yeah that's true i guess um a, one good way to look at it is like you shouldn't be trying to upgrade your michael pittman share into uh an, another wide receiver i guess because this is this is the guy that that could take the step to elite wide receiver he's young yeah. and alpha like we said and like now roster construction, you could use him to trade for a running back or quarterback, and that gets a lot more complex. But right. I think, yeah, I, there's, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. But what makes this conversation difficult for me is I, I, I've been seeing him go before wide receivers that I just couldn't do it before. And I brought this up in a coin toss before the T Higgins versus Pittman thing. 
And yeah. the the continuing argument is that Pittman has no one to fight with targets, as where uh, T. Higgins has this guy named Jamar Chase. But, you know, as you just said, your projection is wide receiver one to wide receiver two. Is that because uh, just like the offense isn't as good? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a fair point. I think if you had to project, you would probably say the Bengals are going to pass more than the Colts, but we know both teams like to run the ball, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the difference is you got Joe Burrow, who I think we would all agree is a top tier quarterback now established. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, And then you've got Matt Ryan, who's kind of on the end of his career, who I think can support fantasy production, but isn't necessarily going to take that offense to the next level, right? So I think there's a difference in quarterback ability i would say the Bengals offense we probably all agree is going to be scoring more touchdowns this year than indianapolis but um i don't know i I can see why they're getting closer and closer in people's ranks but i would err towards uh higgins just because Mm -hmm. i think he's got slightly more upside and a slightly more explosive offense big same now i do I, I noticed something, and maybe this is me with my tinfoil hat on my head, but roll with me on this. So I think part of the reason that he's risen in the ranks is because people are really warming up to Matt Ryan being the quarterback there. Yeah. And when he went there first, like earlier on, like people were not excited. And right. it, it was just like, oh, God, here we go. And now I keep the, the news. The headlines are a little different. They're like like the revival of Matt Ryan and how like he's an upgrade over all the quarterbacks that were there previously. And I I don't know. I think his, we should probably have talked about Matt Ryan in in this episode. (laughs) Now that I think about it, but you know, he's, he's risen. His expectations have risen. I don't know if his rank has risen necessarily. I do think Matt Ryan is getting a little bit of a hall pass for what happened last year in Atlanta, where he was not, did not look good but that whole offense didn't look good and that whole team didn't look good. Right. So he's going to Indianapolis, which is probably going to be competing for a a playoff spot, Mm -hmm. either that division or a wild card. They've got a a much better defense than that Atlanta team does. And just a lot better weapons, I would say around uh, Matt Ryan between that O-line, Jonathan Taylor and Pittman that I think there's reason to expect Ryan can do a better job supporting all these fantasy weapons than a guy like Carson Wentz did, who is just a complete wild card and and borderline fan, uh you know starter in the league. Man, that was the nicest thing I've ever heard said about Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> borderline NFL starter. Uh, he's Wentz. a he's a wild card. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of Chris Harris lately. And okay. I, yeah, he's kind of taken on the new like wacky, wavy, inflatable arms, flailing <laughs> tube man, which uh, you know that used to be Jameis Winston. It probably still is Jameis, but yeah, is a little bit more Carson Wentz now. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, let's go ahead and head on over to Detroit. Let's get our next guy here. Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown, the sun god. Uh, Mm -hmm. The last 30 days, he's been up from wide receiver 31 to wide receiver 21. And, you know, I think he's just flying too close to himself. Early this... Early this offseason, they signed uh, DJ Shark to a one-year $10 million contract. And, you know, that's not nothing. And then mm-hmm. they drafted Jamison Williams with the 12th pick in the first round. That's certainly not nothing. And, I, I don't know, the hard knocks bump, maybe that's what's going on here. People might be realizing that JMO's not going to miss time or that he is going to miss time. Right. Ramon Ra finished so strong last year, too, though. Uh, the last six games, he was absolutely incredible. He was Jared Goff's number one target. He ran the ball out of the backfield. He averaged 25 points a game during that six-week span, and he finished his rookie year with 90 receptions, 912 yards, and six touchdowns. And I think all those touchdowns happened in the last six weeks, too. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so I guess for me, what scares me most about this six-game breakout is that Swift was hurt, Hawk was hurt, Jamo and Chark weren't on the team, and I can acknowledge that the Sun God is a great player, or a good player, but I, I don't know if I can be on board with him at wide receiver 21, because I was already struggling with him, placing him at wide receiver 30 or 31, so 
Trey, maybe you can help me see the light. Like the, the light of the sun? The light of God? The sun? <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> What is God? No. Uh, uh, God is dead. Uh, well, hey. Um, <laughs> no, really, uh, wide receiver 21 on keep trade cut. Uh, that's not too far off from where I have him. I've got him at wide receiver 25, so I'm okay. right there, uh, just slightly below market. I do think that the market is kind of just now getting caught up to the fact that JMO is going to be out for the first half of the year, which I think everybody probably should have known back in May. Should have, yes. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that was really factored into the price. So um, I'm, I'm totally cool with it, even if he is like maybe slightly more of a sell than a buy right now. I think you just have to know what you're getting with St. Brown. Uh, he's more of a slot guy. I, you know, he's a six foot you know, 200 pounder. He's not like a, a big outside weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he profiles as a really high floor kind of low ceiling wide receiver too. And if you look at his current projection, it's 88 catches, 957 yards, six touchdowns. It's a slight improvement on what he did last year. And that's really not that hard to get in today's NFL. There were mm-hmm. 21 wide receivers last year that had a thousand yards and six touchdowns. So the the point is, is that that kind of production is like relatively replaceable production and we really shouldn't go out and overpay for it. So if, if he's going to take that next step, he's going to have to improve on his efficiency. He only had 6.8 yards average depth of target his rookie year. That has to get better. And if it doesn't, you know, I think we can pencil him in for like that slot machine role in this offense. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just going to be who he is. I'm not really too, too concerned about the competition but I am concerned about this, the ceiling ultimately, you know, like we saw that flash for six weeks, but I don't think that's what you can expect every single week yeah. for, for St. Brown going forward. I think that's what I was just trying to draw attention to is that he was the only player on that offense and, and he exploded and he, and he performed well, absolutely. But what concerns me is that that's not going to be the game plan this year is get him right. the ball every single play. And so his target share last year was 21.4%. Do you think that's going to go up? I would say it, there's room for improvement there. Like mm-hmm. it, it can improve because, you know, his usage definitely improved over the course of his rookie year, as we would expect for rookie wide receivers. Um, but you're right with JMO coming on later this year with Hawk, presumably healthy for the full season. I wouldn't project St. Brown to clear 25% target share. And uh, yeah, and so I guess where what what just holds me up here is I try to think about where I might be valuing Amon Ross St. Brown next offseason, and mm. I just don't I don't think it's good. Like I think that if JMO turns out to be the guy that they were hoping he was at the twelfth pick, and if like Goff distributes the ball, then I have a feeling that that target share percentage goes down and I, I I think he performs adequately but I don't think that this is a dude that I'm willing to like slap some money on the table and make him a part of my dynasty team you know I, I get what you're saying and I, I only slightly disagree with you because he was a rookie last year mm-hmm. I think we can like expect him to build on that success as, yeah. a, as a rookie you know and, and slightly improve I, I do share your concern I don't think there's a ton of ceiling there for St. Brown um, but especially he's a good player because- like, right, right, yeah. but but are we going to project a ton of touchdowns for Detroit? No, right, right. Um, and then on top of that, there's probably a QB change coming next year. So we talked about the impact that a rookie QB could have on an offense mm-hmm. and the fantasy weapons. This is probably way, way like more than we should <laughs> be ahead projecting. Of but here, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if he's going through that QB change a year from now, that that's probably not going to help in 2023 either. Yeah. Well, I. You know, like you said, it's a little too far. Uh, like we're we're not ready to talk about that conversation yet. But I think it's just Assuming something it's that a rookie QB. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. It's just it's something that I have on my mind. Is there's just a reason I can't pull the trigger on uh, going out and getting a Monra. So it is what it is, as as they say. Yeah. I mean, we 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 can't really read the tea leaves too much here, but I don't think anybody thinks Goff is going to be the starter in 2023. So unless there's a big free agent quarterback that moves to Detroit, they're probably looking at a rookie for 2023. Mm -hmm. Well, um, Mike check 
It's halftime. Hey. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right, so we're skipping halftime this week because, well, there's just the two of us, and we can make it if we try. So we're going to jump right into the fallers, the guys that fell the furthest in this 30-day span, and who else to kick things off with than Antonio Gibson, running back Washington Commies. The last 30 days, he's dropped from running back 21 to running back 34 on keep trade cut. And, man, what the fuck happened here? Like, he's 24 years young. In his first two years in the league, he finished as the running back 16 and 17 in points per game. He played through a goddamn broken shin last year. He heals up in the offseason. His team gets an upgrade at quarterback, and the dude falls 13 spots. Excellent. Uh, the commies decided to redistribute the wealth and drafted Alabama's Brian Robinson in the third round. And uh, they re-signed pass-catching back J.D. McKissick after almost losing him to the Bills. Right. So Rivera's been outspoken. Uh, his running back room this offseason, he's been talking it up and mostly do it, talking about this one-two punch that he used to have. And that included starting it with Brian Robinson. So... All of a sudden, Gibson fumbles in preseason, and he's the leading candidate to return kicks. Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, like, that was bad enough. And, like, you know, this next part is is ridiculous. Like, Brian Robinson gets shot in a robbery attempt, and he's out indefinitely, I guess. And the, the only words I heard from Rivera was, Brian would return this season. And I was like, oh, hmm. So, I, you know, there's a lot to unpack here. So Antonio Gibson, that's who we're talking about, lost his job essentially as a starting running back, has fallen in the ranks, but now has this weird, like, I guess he's the starter? Yeah, I, I guess there's opportunity now for Antonio Gibson, weirdly. But, uh, you know, first off, I'm... I'm more important, like glad to hear Brian Robinson is making a recovery. It seems like he's going to be okay ultimately. And, you know, that's way more important than, than football or this podcast. So, you know, glad, glad to hear that for B Rob. Uh, I do think Gibson has kind of been bailed out by the situation, yeah. which is weird. Uh, I mean, he, he profiles as like the athletic lead back in this committee now. Uh, but you know, he's going to lose those high value touches like he's going to lose those targets to McKissick. Mm -hmm. And if Brian Robinson comes back, he's going to lose probably some red zone work and maybe even the lead down work. So I don't know. I mean, I, if, if B Rob does miss extended time, then maybe that opens up more red zone opportunities for Antonio Gibson. I don't think you should buy into him though. At this point, I think that the, the commanders have basically shown that they want to do anything they can to just get gift Gibson's touches to other guys. Mm -hmm. So if you can sell and you can pivot to other guys in this range, preferably guys with more pass catching upside, then I think that's probably a good move. And I, I would be looking at some targets like like Chase Edmonds or Ramondre Stevenson who are going like similar mm -hmm. value range to, to Gibson right now. You know, it just feels like, like you said, he was bailed out. Antonio Gibson's been a sinking ship all offseason, and our advice yeah. has been either hold or get off the ship. And... I think those who held have this very weird opportunity because, look, he's a starter now, like in fantasy football as well. Like you, you kind of got to yeah. plug him in, right? So no, I think you have to. I think I think he he represents essentially something similar to like a Devin Singletary, but mm -hmm. maybe somebody that the coaches trust slightly less. Well, let's just look. Let's just look at this from a different perspective because I look. I know the the, the shooting is serious and whatnot and i'm not trying to downplay it but let's say brian robinson got instead injured in preseason right mm -hmm. like like this is the same concept as like why you would want to hold on to a guy like gibby instead of just giving him away and, and taking like little to no value after his uh rank fell but at the same time we're gonna advise you to get get something in return and sell because if I, but I would say wait a couple games, right? Like let him remind people that he can still put up numbers before selling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, 
maybe you get lucky. Maybe McKissick uh, doesn't get all the passing game work that, you know, we think that he's going to get. And, and maybe they start looking his way a little bit more in the, the passing game. But um, yeah, I, I, he's a borderline starter, you know, like I, you don't feel great. I think at this point, if you're a contender and you've got to rely on Gibson in one of your running back spots or your flex spot. No, but at least you have some time to figure out what you want to do for the second half of the season because yeah. he'll help you in the first half. I, I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's pretty obvious at this point. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I am I think I'm just really, really down on him uh, with the whole, like, the fact that he lost the job before this yeah, happened with Robinson. Great. And, you know, I, I've heard people talk about, um, what's his name, Jamar Jefferson, like the other running mm-hmm. back in the room too, like, I know I I've never really been a believer in that guy, but um, if it, he seems like the most likely dude is going to step in and, and take touches from from Robinson here while he's out. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to dwell on Antonio Gibson too much longer here, but like I will say that there's the last bit on him. Like I, I have really enjoyed his film. I I think that he sticks out and I think he's a very good player, and it's something we've talked about here where it's just very confusing why the coaches are so like ready and willing to give away his touches. It just makes me wonder if, uh, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else, you know? Yeah. And, and there's been talk about that too. I've, I've heard other um, analysts kind of mention like, well, okay, there's the fumbling issues, but then there's also the, um, you know, maybe he's missing assignments. He's, he's kind of still adjusting to playing the running back position where he was like, you know, he was a wide receiver in college, you know, so he was supposed to be this great pass catcher. Yeah. And he's still kind of learning the position. I, I mentioned Jamar Jefferson, by the way, that guy plays for Detroit. Not, no, not, not anymore. He got, he got cut as well, actually. <laughs> Did he? Okay. Yeah. So I don't know who the hell I'm, I'm thinking about, but yeah, I mean, more importantly, clearly this coaching staff doesn't trust Gibby, but now they might be in a position where they don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's going to bail out him and probably any managers that still have Gibson on their roster. Well, I'm one of them in a couple leagues, so sell, sell, sell. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's, uh, let's head over to Tennessee for the next guy. We got Traylon Burks and over the last 30 days, he's, He's been down. He dropped from wide receiver 16 to wide receiver 34 on keep trade cut. And his value has definitely been all over the place this offseason. So I guess let's just start things over here. Let's start at the beginning. The Titans traded away A.J. Brown mid-draft in exchange for the first round pick they used to take Traylon Burks. And then in most rookie drafts, June or July, Burks was like the top three wide receivers taken or among yep. them. Uh, and it's like among like Drake London and uh, let's see, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, you know, it was all the big three. And, uh, you know, he was he, he was drafted to become the new alpha in Tennessee. And then training camp comes about. And the literal first thing you hear is he's got asthma issues. Then it was poor conditioning, and then there were whispers like he was fighting for the wide receiver four spot, and that uh, Nick Westbrook Akini has won the wide receiver wide receiver two spot, and you know that's not a, a shining endorsement for our guy. And you know Robert Woods looks to be completely back and on track to start week one, and they've been talking about how he's just lighting it up in camp and a hard worker and all that, so. The Titans don't boast a super happy, pass-happy attack. I don't know. Trey, are you agreeing with the fade here on Traylon Burks? Uh, so he's already he's all the way down to wide receiver 34. I think that's way too low. Uh, I think there's, there's definitely an overreaction here by the market. Um, now, admittedly, I definitely don't feel as confident in him mm-hmm. as I did uh, a month or two ago, but... I mean, so that said, I wouldn't expect him to be a contributing fantasy starter to your contending roster, especially over the first half of this season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm calling bullshit on this Nick Westbrook <laughs> Akini thing. Yeah. Like, let's let's actually see what the snap percents and the route percents look like over the first few weeks. And let's see who's really getting the work in that offense, because I just I can't imagine that, um, you know, that's actually how things are going to play out over the mm-hmm. course of the season. And and he's a rookie wide receiver, and the knock on him going into the the draft was that he was a little bit of a unrefined, unfinished mm-hmm. product that Arkansas basically just 
shoved volume his way because he was sort of the only weapon they really had. So we should expect an adjustment period like we would for any rookie wide receiver. And even if he doesn't smash those first eight weeks, we would expect him to improve over the course of the year. So selling him as the wide receiver 34 right now, I think is just cutting your losses way, way too early at this point. Yeah, it's silly. But yeah, I, I think though... 16 was too high in the first place. Would you not agree? No, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. I think 16 was probably too high. I, I, he's been settled in at 21 for me for most of the offseason. Mm-hmm. I haven't really moved him too much. Yeah. I don't mind that at all. And I know what Mike Vrabel's doing with this Akini winning that wide receiver two spot. Like he's just like the organization and him, they want Traylon Burks to take that starting wide receiver spot. He's got to be. Yeah. They want that to happen, but they want to quote, you know, make him earn it, right? But they don't they don't want to give it to him because Westbrook Akini is like, you know, doing all the right things and running the right routes, but he's not he's not Traylon Burks. He's not the first round draft pick that they spent on him. Like so yeah, I, I'm sensing a theme here, right? It's like he's a rookie. It's gonna take him some time to get on the field. But by the time he gets on the field, we're also talking about dynasty, man. This is like this dude is going to be the starting wide receiver in Tennessee for the next couple of years. Like, and not only that, but like, he's also shown some good signs too. Like, Oh yeah. That, that last touchdown he had in preseason, like sure he was untouched, but it's just a reminder that this dude is big, strong and fast as hell. Like, yeah. And I I know exactly which player talking about. And mm -hmm. I, I recognize that was probably going up against like some second and third stringers, but like, None of those guys in that secondary looked like they wanted any piece of trying to tackle no. Traylon Burks, which was uh, which was great to see, and and that's exactly the kind of looks that they're going to have to scheme him. You know, like he's going to need the the offense to adjust to like what he's good at, right? And it's not going to be like one on one winning in man against like elite press corners every week. Like he's going to need to go in motion and like be schemed open in a lot of ways and that's that's fine like we've seen other like top receivers in the league even aj brown before him be used in similar ways and be successful so i i think yeah the fade here is just very very like strong on the narrative and i'm not really buying it yeah i've scooped Traylon in a couple startups recently where he just he just fell he just fell on the draft and that's fine with me. Uh, this is easy money. Like, yeah, I I could not endorse any higher than going to get Traylon Burks at wide receiver thirty four prices. I would I would do that certainly on any squad in any situation. Well, well, here's a fun one. Now we we already talked about uh, George Pickens and our risers earlier. Are you uh, you're not gonna go Pickens over Burks at this point, will you? No, I won't. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I, and that's a that that goes back to my pre-draft stuff too. Like I, th- I think it's closer, right? Like it's it's closer than it was. But like no, I I think ten out of ten is still Burks. No, I I completely agree. I, it's definitely closer, but I'm I'm still gonna go with the trust the pre-draft evaluation process here. You know, you sent me a trade that I quickly declined, but I liked the idea. What was it? Sky Moore and a third for Traylon Burks. I did. Yeah, I figured uh, you might be hitting the panic button as a tits fan. But, yeah, uh, no. not not I. But I do like the offer. I think that it would like I would send that offer. So respect to the offer. But uh, no, no, we don't panic here in this house. Yeah. And just in case you missed that, that was I, I offered Mitch uh, a sky more and a third round pick for Burks. But uh, he was not going for that. No, no counter there, bud. Yeah, no, no counter there. But uh, <laughs> all good. All yeah. Good. All right. Let's uh, let's head on over to the next guy. We got Big Mac Jones, quarterback, New England Patriots. And over the last 30 days, well, he, he hasn't really moved. <laughs> he dropped what? down at what's that? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his positional rank hasn't moved. Yeah, he's quarterback 17, but he's definitely dropped in the overall ranks. Right. So. Uh, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, I guess, uh, have been going ahead of him. And he's dropped from the fifth round to the seventh round, which is a drop. So yeah. uh, I guess what the the concerns are that the Pats offense is just not going to be that good. Uh, Josh McDaniels left town. You got Matt Patricia and Joe Judge uh, doing some, some offense stuff. Patricia's looking to 
be the play caller, you know, notorious defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, right? And uh, yeah, are we, what's going on here? Like, are we worried that, uh, I don't know, help me out with this one. I'm having trouble with this one. Yeah, so the word out of New England camp right now is that uh, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are trying to change up the offense and make it look a little bit more like a Shanahan-esque outside zone running scheme, which, you know, is not what the Patriots have done over the last 15, 20 years, but the offense has not looked good in training camp and the local beat reports are, are pretty down on this offense in general, but I don't think that's the only thing happening here. I think there's also just this time of year, you're seeing more and more of the market shift from that long-term thinking to the short-term redraft thinking. And, mm-hmm. and Mac Jones, yes, he was good as a rookie, but he was 25 in points per game in 2021. And right now he's 23 in the fantasy pros expert consensus ranking. So they're not fantasy pros expert consensus is not projecting like a huge jump in performance, especially given all the concerns about this offense. And that makes him just a much better rebuilder piece than a contender piece right now. Right? Like he's a long-term store of value. He's not somebody you want as a potential starter in your super flex spot, right? As, as a quarterback 23 in, in ECR. So yeah, I, I agree with these concerns. I'm not a fan of Patricia or Judge either based on what we saw in like Detroit and the the Giants over the last few years. So yeah, I I get why people are a little bit down on Jones and are thinking, okay, let's go with the more solid, uh, you know, redraft style pieces. Well, yeah, I'm almost the wrong guy for this one because Mac Jones and I, I have never been on the same page. I I've never been a Mac Jones guy. I've complained in the past that he's just like another fancy Kirk Cousins, right? Where like he's just going to be uh average. He's going to get you those QB2 numbers and not much else, but I feel like now uh, it, he's just kind of lost whatever ceiling he's had and like I think the Pats are going to establish it. They're going to be running that ball and like I cannot in any way see Mac Jones being above like quarterback 15 in points sure. per game. I, I just like that seems way too difficult for him to do. And so like, you know, what does he do? He sets a like a baseline for your team. He's a good quarterback two or was a good quarterback two if you had a good quarterback one. But now, like you said, I mean, he's gray area. Am I starting him or am I leaving him on the bench? And so he no longer serves his purpose, right? Yeah, like, I mean, there's. I think there's room for him to build on what happened. I agree with you. I think the concerns for this year are legit. I wouldn't project him any higher than a mid-range QB2 either. I will say, though, if you compare him to guys that can't run or don't run, like Cousins or Derek Carr, even Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career, mm-hmm. I think he can give you a lot of what they give you. Uh, but obviously um, he's like 10, 15 years younger. So like for dynasty rankings, I think that does matter. Yeah. Right. But you're, you are right. Like cousins this year, I would much rather have him in a redraft setting car. I would rather have in a redraft setting Rogers. It's, it's closer um, but I mean, yeah, you go with the MVP over the mm-hmm. the guy who's going into a Matt Patricia offense with where his best receivers to Kobe Myers. Do you still have, I don't have the ranks up in front of me. Do you still have Mac Jones ahead of Kirk Cousins? I do, but that's because of the age difference. Right. I think it's, it, there's concerns with Cousins about, you know, what happens in the next three years, you know, given his age. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I think that I would probably rather have the next three years of Kirk Cousins than I would have Mac Jones. Yeah, that's fair. So, that's fair. Yeah. I, it's close, man. Like the age thing, it does matter. And like, you know, we are playing Dynasty. And if you want to hang on to Mac Jones for 10 years, I'll, I mean, have at it. But I, I don't know. I just don't see it. But let's stop talking about this guy. <laughs> no. no, I mean, it's it's some interesting points Like yeah. when it comes to like the evaluation process and you know, I, I, it's something I've been thinking about a little bit more. Like, let's not overrate a guy just because he's 21 versus mm-hmm. the, you know, 35-year-old who could help you win your league. Right. Do you still have Mac Jones above uh, Zach Wilson? Well, yeah, but 
that I think is a lot more defensible <laughs> after what we saw from from Wilson last year. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. All right, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Mike Jacecki. Is that our last guy? We almost done. Sure are. That's it. Last all right. one here. The big chested dolphin, Mike Jacecki, out of Penn State. Last 30 days, uh, he went from tight end 12 to tight end 17. And as we all know, the Dolphins went out and secured a couple more pass catchers this offseason. Uh, this guy named Tyreek Hill, they got him. And uh, they also signed Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys. There have been reports out of camp that Coach McDaniel wants uh, Jacecki to block more which essentially means that uh, we should expect less targets. And, uh, you know, there's been trade rumors, too, because Jacecki doesn't want to block. So, uh, you know, we don't even know if he's going to stay in Miami. He's on a franchise tag. But, Trey, I mean, this is your guy. <laughs> this is your reputation player, man. How are you feeling about all this? Yeah. Well, so, to be clear, my reputation player was was Zach Ertz, but I, I do like Jacecki, too. I gave him a shout-out that, that episode. Um, I... Am not feeling great about him right now, for sure. Uh, he's he still remains tight end ten in my ranks, but I I probably do need to re have another look at that and maybe move him down a little bit. Um, he he can't block like George Kittle can. So if if Coach McDaniel is expecting him to be George Kittle, there's not very many guys on planet Earth who are are like George Kittle. Maybe yeah. maybe no one is like George Kittle. So and if if that is the requirement for the tight end in this scheme to be a great and willing blocker, then they absolutely should trade him away. Like he shouldn't be on the dolphins this year. If that's the scheme that they, they have to run. Yeah. And you know, I would say good coaching would try to find the best way to use the assets you have. But you know, I also get you move players around that don't fit what you're trying to do. That makes sense too. So I, I mean, looking at this year, I'm I'm starting to see what I think the the concerns are that the market has here. I think most likely Miami tries to use him as an inline blocker. It's probably not going to work very well. There's a <laughs> high risk that he loses snaps and loses targets in the process. And they've got Durham Smythe, Notre Dame dude. Uh, they're on the roster too. He's a much better blocker, so I'm sure we're going to see plenty of him this season too. Didn't they Short just term, try to trade him or was that the other one? Uh, well, they were, they were talking about trying to trade Gasicki, but I, I think those trade rumors have kind of been quelled as of this afternoon, but yeah, I mean, short term, I'm, I'm definitely concerned about the situation. Uh, long term, I, I think he's a talented guy mm-hmm. who's going to find himself on another team in 2023. And, and you're thinking of, of Adam Shaheen, the guy they That's tried right. trading to, yeah. to the Texans. Mm-hmm. He failed his physical. Now he's back in Miami on the IR. So <laughs> He's he's done for the year, I think. But it's so the the tight end room is is Gasecki, Smythe, and then Hunter Long, who yeah. has been dead quiet since uh, last year when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and that makes sense. I, I think that he's going to lose targets no matter how you slice it, whether it's blocking or quite simply because there are better options to catch the ball. Yeah. So uh, it's it's tough, but at the same time, this could create a buy window because he could get traded midseason. He's on the franchise tag. He could go somewhere pass happy next season. And we've talked about this range of tight end, like basically anybody after tight end 12, you can just close your eyes and fill out who you want. Right. Between 13 and 30. And like, if he's 17, that's, I mean, that's like nowhere. That's just kind of a guy. So if you can get tight end Mike Jacecki for that price, then, then sure, do it. But I don't have a whole lot of optimism for him this year, but this could be a sneaky buy for next year. I completely agree with you. I, and there is upside for this year, for sure. Like if Waddle or uh, Hill were to miss any time, then they would probably need to rely on these secondary pass catchers more. Uh, it's possible that you know rational coaching prevails mm-hmm. and then they put him in the slot where he belongs and they utilize him as a pass catcher, which is what he's good at. But if they're really going to be, you know, stubborn about the pass or the, the run blocking and the pass blocking work that the tight end has to do, and we see him use like how they uh, were using Kittle in San Francisco last year, mm-hmm. then yeah, he's it's a square peg and a round hole and it's not going to be a good fit. 
We'll see. Uh, my advice here is definitely buy, though. I'm I'm buying. Are you cool. are you looking to buy? <laughs> well, I I did uh, acquire them from you about a week ago. So. Uh, oh shit! No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I it, it sucks for this year, but yeah, I think yeah. long term he's still he's going to improve on Titan Seventeen for sure. I'm with you there, and I think that does it. That that covers episode sixty seven. I want to say. Oh, I actually have did no it. idea. I think this is episode 67 of the long game. Nailed it. Thank you for listening, guys. We will hopefully see you next week. We're not we're not going to be taking much time off now. Football season is upon us. Let's go. All right. <laughs> see ya. No, I ain't